Hi friends, I'm Olivia. And I'm Katie. And we are Podcast by Proxy. Welcome. We're live. Barely. (laughs) (laughs) We are live, I think. Alive. On a positive note. Look how cute these little post-its I just found while you were gone are. Oh, those are so cute. They're like we, like my face for reference. Fun fact about Katie, she loves miniature things and also just like office paper products. I feel like you love stationery, like notebooks. You always have like super cute notebooks, whereas I'm just ordering like literal plain paper pads from Amazon. Yeah, there she has one right now. Cute little sticky notes. And if it's not cute, oh I'm going to bedazzle it myself. 100%. You always give me, like, cute gifts like that. And, again, I'm just out here, like, I would use newspaper if I could. But I can't. Yeah. Some of us are just basic. Yeah. It's me. <laughs> I'm the basic one. We all know that. Well, As I look back. over and you're wearing a galaxy shirt with, like, unicorns. And you're like, I'm painting my nails. You're not this basic. This is my space suit. If you know me, you know my space suit. You've seen it. You love it. My space pants. Also, if anyone knows Olivia, you can also tell it's probably in that super soft material. Yes, 100%. Because that's like 80% of her... Like, as soon as she gets home, it's like soft those cute clothes. tight outfits come off mm-hmm. and into, like, butter clothes. Oh, yeah, and butter 100%. clothes only. Why would I live in anything else? Especially at the amount of time I spend at my home. I feel like they just show all my lumps and bumps and I'm too self-conscious. Nobody's here to see it. Brandon loves my lumps and bumps. There's nobody else here. The other day, I said something about gaining weight, just in general, not pessimistically or anything. And Simon just goes, well, that just means there's more of you to love. No. And I was like, that's the sweetest thing you could say. Like, yes, but no, let's also encourage us to be healthy. Yeah, like, don't encourage my negative lifestyle as I want to go get Dole Whip right now. But I do love that because you should be with somebody who just loves you for you. No My health journeys journeys are always for me, not because I want to look a certain way for someone else. So, If anything, you, people jump on your bandwagon. That's the goal. Yeah, you inspire people to do what you're doing, which is usually getting fit, eating healthier. Are you still sleeping better, by the way? Um... Yes and no. I know you've been busy and stressed, but... I was going to say yes, like overall yes, but I have been like off the wall busy doing things and I think that that affects my sleep as well. I'm also learning like what foods, I think there's foods that cause me to be up at night more than others, so I'm just For trying sure. to like keep a log and deal with that, but um... What was one that um, a lot of people can't have dairy like, within a certain time before bed, that's a big one. I don't have much dairy anyways, but I do. I would have to check to see if there's anything I'm eating that has, like, milk product in it. Because, like, the yeah. strangest things ever. If you've ever, I was going to say, if you've ever tried to go vegan or have any kind of, like, a dairy allergy at all, you yeah, know. Like out. The weirdest yeah. shit has, like, it's usually quote modified it's usually modified milk ingredients is what it is and it's so sneaky and it'll be like at the end of the list but it's still in there and it's like chips or like because it's in like flavoring like random things you'd be like what that has milk in it but it does um so yeah that's maybe i'll have to check that out why can't we use more like nutritional yeast in place of cheese flavor or dairy i'm sure we could Although I do think that there's just a lot of room for improvement with, uh, like, cross-contamination in general. Yeah, that and, like, not using dairy as such a crutch. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not lactose intolerant. Well, it's like when all the meat went out the world, which is great, but it was, like, only soy was the alternative. And we're like, right. can we just get something other than soy? Right. Like yeah. Some of us can't handle mass quantities of that either. And like I think we're going that direction. A lot more places have like dairy free milk options. Like I don't know why people don't use like oat milk creamers like and things and everything. Instead. Because the oat milk, the Earth's own brand, if you're like a local person. Ooh. 
But, um, yeah. I try to do local, but I, I hate to say it, but I'm like a silk cashew milk girl. I'm That's sweetened fair. through and through. I'm a big fan of cashew milk. It's so naturally sweet that I feel like it has that kind of milk. That's fair. Flavor. And it, I find it a little bit, the consistency a little bit thicker than almond milk which i like because then it feels like milk a bit more i was just gonna say if you're somebody transitioning from milk trying to do dairy free Mm -hmm. options i wouldn't go with almond milk as a choice just because it's so much thinner and like it doesn't i mean i've never been a milk i've never been a milk drinker but it's like very watery almost um yeah the earth's own oat own earth's own brand oat milk and then they also make a cooking cream and a coffee creamer kind of like a half and half style dealio Mm, my favorite um but yeah how are you today just off the topic of milks how's it going what's going on in your universe smooth transition because mine is chaotic so i would love to hear what's going on with you i bought some boxed mushrooms but it's like a box of like this moss that you set up at home and you spray every day and you grow your own mushrooms oh my gosh of course it is we need to see that i would love to see that photos it just reminded me because i have the instructions right here like this was how i set up my mushroom box oh wow that is very cool foragers gallery that's the and they're local i got this at like a local market even better that's sweet if i liked mushrooms i might consider growing them but i do not Oh, fark. I love mushrooms. Fark. <laughs> oh. um, I do want... They have a couple things to talk about today. The first one, it's a tragic day for me personally. And the a lot of people in the world. Uh, lot, I know yeah. that the royal family is a little bit controversial at times, but I feel like the queen is just not. She stood for something. She stood, she, so the Queen of England passed away today, 96 years old, a legendary 70-year, 70-year monarch reign. Um, Again, I totally understand that there are controversial things with the royal family and colonialism and all that kind of stuff, Um, but I did just want to shout out and thank the Queen for 70 years of phenomenal service and being our queen and lady power and I just love her so much again that's a a weird thing about me I love the queen and I love princess die um yeah, the rest of them really I could all about the, that that female royalty there I was gonna say I could take or leave the rest I'm I was half I feel like I was half crying that the queen died and half crying that Charles is gonna be king now it was a little bit of 50 50 but uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but no, that that did happen today. We're recording on um, September the 8th. So that's sad. And RIP to the beautiful queen. But now she's with Philip. So everyone's happy. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention, um, some of you may know some of you may not know, some of you may have only heard bits and pieces, some of you may have been on the internet balls deep in research since Sunday, but uh, this past Sunday, September 4th, uh, there was an incident in northern Saskatchewan at the James Smith Cree Nation. So the Melfort RCMP detachment in North Saskatchewan were dispatched to the James Smith Cree Nation 45 kilometers away uh, with reports of a stabbing at 5.40 a.m. on Sunday, September 4th. So this past Sunday that we just had when recording, but two Sundays ago if you're listening on La Tuesday. Does that make sense? Anyway. Yes. La Tuesday, yes. Um, <laughs> so... I'm going to go through the timeline a little bit, but essentially over the course of three days, there was 10 people killed, 18 people injured, and two suspects that have since passed away. Um, but I, I let's just go through the timeline a little bit of that. So, yeah, so the first call to the RCMP came in at 5.40 a.m. The second call reported two people injured at home on the same uh, James Smith cremation, came in at 6 a.m., Officers arrived at the first scene at 6.18 a.m. And then one of them left to go to the second scene. 
At 6.35 a.m., the RCMP began drafting an emergency alert due to significant risk to the public. Mm-hmm. 7.12 a.m. on Sunday, the RCMP issued a dangerous persons alert stating that they were attempting to locate two suspects. Residents of the James Smith Cree Nation and surrounding communities including Candle Lake, Prince Albert, Melfort, Humboldt, and Rosthern were advised to seek immediate shelter and use caution. At 8 a.m. on that day, the RCMP released the names and photos of suspects Damien and Miles Sanderson, who were brothers. Damien Sanderson is described as 5'7", 155 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes, and his brother Miles was described as 6'1", 200 pounds, also black hair and brown eyes. Um, so... Since all of this has happened, we learn we do know that Miles was actually released on parole in August of 2021 with uh, quite a violent criminal history. Um, mm-hmm. But we will talk about a little bit of that when I'm kind of done going through the timeline. 8.20 a.m. on Sunday, the Dangerous Persons Alert was extended to the entire province of Saskatchewan, and the RCMP stated they believed the suspects were traveling in a vehicle. Um, so this is really scary. It reminds me a lot of the um, Nova Scotia, yeah, the Nova Scotia killing. Some people were equating it to the two boys from Port Alberni. That's um, also what I was thinking. Was those also super two, similar? Like, very but... similar. Yeah, just a very, like... Like, you mean the ones that um, murdered the couple on their trip and the older man and stole his car, that one? Yes, yes. Yeah. So, two, those two two incidents, like, happened in the last few years and were also, like, quite big, like, you know, province, nationwide um, incidents that really impacted the country as a whole. Yeah, when someone's fleeing and you get those alerts across the country, it definitely Mm -hmm. catches your eye. Yeah, and this happened quick. I mean, this is from 5.40 a.m. to now a fourth dangerous persons alert is released at 9.45 a.m. on Sunday, stating that there were multiple victims in multiple locations and that some of the attacks were seemingly random. It's so scary. So you don't even know where to, like, shelter in place or look out for. Like, multiple victims, multiple suspects, multiple locations. You're like, shit, that is so scary. My heart goes out to all these people. Totally. And I mean, they, you know, the police were issuing later um, statements for specific areas saying like, hide in your home, find a secure location to hide. But we come to find out that a few of these were actually break and enters. So hiding in your house doesn't even really make it a safe place, which is just so terrifying. So... On Sunday, the Dangerous Persons Alert was extended to Manitoba and Alberta by 11.25 a.m. And at 3.45 p.m. that afternoon on Sunday, the RCMP announced that 10 people had been killed and 15 others injured in the attacks, which they said took place across 13 separate locations. Um, So I did post... And a post on our Instagram page with the names of the victims whose lives were taken. Um, so I'll, I'll just read them off here. Rest in peace to Gloria Burns, Carol Burns, Bonnie Burns, Earl Burns Sr., Christian Head, Thomas Burns, Lana Head, Gregory Burns, Robert Sanderson, and Wesley Pedersen. After this, officers searched relentlessly overnight for the two suspects, but announced the next morning that they're still at large. They have not found them. They also announced at that time that the number of injured people has risen from 15 to 18. And they also announced that the two would be charged with first-degree murder, attempted murder, and break and enter. At minimum. At minimum, yes, but that was the charges that they were looking at at the time that they were looking for the two men. Okay. 1.17 p.m. on Monday, September 5th, RCMP confirmed that a deceased male was found in a grassy area on the James Smith Cree Nation and was one of the suspects, Damien, but that his brother Miles was still missing. They were still looking for him. Yeah, one was still on the run. Yes. They also announced that Damien's wounds were not self-inflicted and that Miles may be in Regina, Saskatchewan and could be injured. Um, And he was considered to be armed and dangerous. 
So that's about all for Monday. On Tuesday, September 6th, uh, police issue a notice through Saskatchewan's Provincial Emergency Alert System stating that there had been a possible sighting of Miles Sanderson on the James Smith Cree Nation. The RCMP asked people in the area to seek shelter or stay in a safe indoor location. And that's where I say, like, as much as you can do that, knowing that some of the previous attacks were break and enters, it's like, is that, where is a safe location? Anywhere that's quote unquote safe. Exactly. Especially when you have somebody in this state where their level of caring, for lack of a better words, about uh, societal norms and not attacking people in certain places or just having a complete lack of empathy at that point because they've obviously broken. Um, You know, where is a safe place? But they're doing their best. So the next morning, Wednesday, September 7th, 2022, at 7.12 a.m., RCMP and Saskatchewan's coroner service, as well as victims' families, um, they released the identities of the, the 10 men and women that were killed, which we have already gone over. A 911 call came in that day, so Wednesday at this, so this is yesterday when we're recording, at 2.07 p.m. that afternoon that stated Miles Sanderson was standing outside of a home with a knife in the town of Waka, which is 110 kilometers southwest of the James Smith Cree Nation. An emergency alert was then sent out warning of a person armed with a knife and driving a white Chevy Avalanche that had been reported stolen in the area. Once again, people are told to seek shelter, stay in a secure locations. Um, police cars are seen like speeding along rural roads in the area. Helicopters are up top. More than 20 calls come in from the public about potential sightings. And then finally at 330 uh, on Wednesday, September 7th, the RCMP report that Miles Sanderson was located and taken into police custody near the community of Rosthern. And shortly after this, police say that he went into, quote, medical distress and was taken by ground ambulance to a hospital where he later died. Um, So no autopsy is going to be released, of course, while this investigation is pending. We're not going to know much. Um, But there are, of course, questions about him dying in police custody um, by certain people now with his brother dying of not self-inflicted injuries. I don't really know what that means either, but, uh, I mean, to me that implies that he killed his brother. I agree. I just don't know enough to like jump to any conclusions, but absolutely that's, that's certainly what it sounds like. Um, so we'll go back a little bit just to kind of like his, Miles Sanderson's history profile and a little bit of his criminal history. I actually haven't had time to look into too much, which is why when I posted on Instagram and I just said, like, we will update you a little bit. And as I have time to kind of go through the information that is available, I will probably have more comments. Um, it's also constantly developing currently. So it is a flood of information coming out every, I would say, six hours about this situation or so there's an update so there's a lot going on there's a lot of moving parts for sure yeah um but essentially the the gist of it is that miles anderson does have a violent criminal history um surrounding violent behavior and the flip side of that is he also had a very abusive childhood um and i think that that can go back to the oppression and the way of life for indigenous people um, and some of that like systemic racism and things like that. Um, So that's good to keep in mind as we go through, but essentially he was released on statutory release in August of 2021, which we have talked about it before, but in Canada, um, when you get a criminal sentence, statutory release is Everybody is eligible for statutory release when they have served 60% of their full sentence. Um, The only reason that they will ever hold you any longer than your statutory release is if you have had 
uh, violent behavior while you're incarcerated, you're showing very antisocial tendencies, et cetera, et cetera. Or um, if you've just done zero work on yourself in there, really, like you've progressed, would you improve yourself to be back into integrated society? But like realistically, if you don't have Some like a parole are. eligibility date, you're getting out at your 60%. Like to put it as bluntly as possible, it's really rare that anybody is held past their 60% date and not allowed their statutory release. So he's allowed out on statutory release um, last year in August. And um, I read an article that just kind of discussed the lack of supports, like that our, our justice system is just so lacking in supports for essentially people that need it. We're so quick to put money and resources into policing, um, but we're not as quick on the rehabilitation side of it or putting as much resources into really giving people support when they're released. Um but his statutory release was revoked after four months because he did not communicate with his parole supervisor. Um, oh. However, the board described his criminal history as concerning, but decided to reinstate his release uh, with reprimand is what it says. After concluding, he, quote, will not present an undue risk to society. So it's just dysfunctional in how our justice system prevents crimes from occurring after people are released like it, there's no i know that there is some, everything's reactionary nothing's proactive and like there are halfway houses and things like that but they are understaffed minimal and support at the, this point the, and like the supports for people who grew up around like violence and poverty and addiction, it's just not there, especially in rural communities. Um, I'm not trying to say that what happened was okay or that there's any excuse for it. I'm just trying to lay some context because I think it's easy to read the news and just be like, oh, these two crazy guys went around and stabbed a bunch of people. And we have to, For like, sure. really... We're not defending him, but we're also explaining how someone could be the way they are. Or what might have played into who they became. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, and it, yeah, it reminds me of, like, the, this kind of a situation when we've had a few of these now in Canada. Like, three in the last three years, I want to say. I mean, I know that the... Um, the Nova Scotia incident was, I think, a little bit longer than that. But still, it's a lot of major incidents like that in such a short period of time. And it reminds me of, like, the USA has a school shooting problem. And anytime there's a school shooting, it's like, there's news articles about, you know, our thoughts are with the family and we're so sad and this and that. And then three days later, everybody just kind of like goes back to normal and there's been nothing changed nothing has been like but rather than changing gun laws they're like let's just put kevlar in backpacks right but this does this not not seem like a similar situation where it's like yeah we're seeing a pattern and not necessarily just around people who are released from prison but like just mental health in general especially since the pandemic and our health services at the same time are declining and I just, I just feel like we could do better. Yeah, we have to. We must. We have so, to. So anyway, I didn't want to continue on today without at least addressing what happened. Um, because yeah. it's such a major thing that happened. So many people's lives were affected. The whole country is obviously shaken up about it. And so, yeah, we will, you know, as stuff comes out. If it's appropriate, we will address it. Okay, well, now that I have that I have gotten through what I needed to get through, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it back over to me. Yeah, to Miss Katie to share with us what she has found this yeah, week. Yeah, I found a case like you that when you put it into Spotify, there's no results, which I like. Yeah, we love them. I also did not go to BC or Ontario. You'll be. Happy to know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so so thrilled. To set the scene for my case, because I seem to keep picking cases that happened during COVID. So, like, the world was just really chaotic at this time, and not to start it on a downer, but just to, like, give you an idea of what was actually happening around us. At the present time, Canada had 
4,000 COVID deaths already. And we were only in May of 2020. Unemployment was at 13%. Our border closures had been extended, so we were no longer having um, complete transport between all of North America, essentially. Four Minneapolis police officers were arrested for standing by while George Floyd was murdered. And Derek Chauvin was also charged with murder. Does anybody else feel like 2020 was a bit of a fever dream or is that just me? No, I agree. And that's kind of why I did that because I was like, wow, there was like a lot happening. Like when you put it like that and and I was still working in an office and I remember I was just like walking around because my office was downtown where I live and I was just like walking around and it was a ghost town. Like there's no cars parked, no businesses are open. I could just like flounce in the middle of the street of something that's usually extremely busy. And I just like have this, it just feels like a fever dream. Yeah, it's, it's It's super crazy um, to think about now that life is slowly getting back to quote normal. Kind of made me feel like I was in the movie I Legend or whatever it is. Yes, 100%. And then the people yes. that, like, had COVID were just, like, all in their homes on lockdown. So everybody was either paranoid to get it or had it. So it was, like, everybody was inside. I was going to say, and I didn't even experience, like, lockdown. Like, I didn't experience that at all. No, you just eventually went to work from home, but it was, like, you were, like, the very last one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's so off topic. But it just was to put in perspective where we all were when this happened, because... The world was already a shit tornado. Big old shit tornado just going around. I mean, it's still a shit tornado. It's just a bigger one. We're just a recovery shit tornado now, a little. Mm, A little bit. Okay. But today we are going to talk about Brianna Minacho. She's a 22-year-old indigenous woman from Yellowknife. Oh, okay. We're really venturing She's taking us there. We are. We're heading to the territories. We are. Um, by the way, I have always dreamed of visiting the territories. Same. They look I think beautiful. it would be amazing. I have a friend who's been there. Shout out Maya. And she said it's amazing. Yeah, I know someone that lives in the Yukon and she the photos she posts and her stories are just beautiful. I think it looks phenomenal. So May 5th which we will also know as Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls Day. 22-year-old Brianna was reported missing. Uh, Her mother, Lisa Marie, reported her because no one had seen her or was able to get in touch with her. Shortly after that, her mother, Lisa Marie, took to Facebook to announce that her daughter had been found deceased and wanted to inform the public. Very short turnaround to when she went missing. So her post read, I would like to inform those who may not have heard, my daughter, Brianna Minaccio's body was found Wednesday night. She has been sent to Edmonton for an autopsy. She should be home early next week. My family would like to thank everyone for their love and support during this difficult time. It's truly amazing how our community and as well communities from across North and slash country have reached out to show their support. Brianna was such a giving person. She had the biggest heart and the most kindest soul and would be happy that all of you are here for us. So, just like, oh, heartbreaking. Yeah, that's sad. Also for it, must have been that, it must have been so fast then. It was super fast. Um, to be honest, it seems like, and I, I will say partially this may be due to resources as well and communication yeah. in the area. But yes, she was reported missing on May 5th. Um, she was found shortly after that in, in an apartment. Okay. So immediately after she's reported missing, though, police and volunteers were out right away spanning the areas. Obviously, it's a vast area to cover. People were out mm-hmm. immediately looking for her. Friday, her missing persons report was also updated to a homicide in a press release. Inspector Alex Laporte of the Yellowknife RCMP said that he was saddened for all people involved to report that this has turned from a missing person to a homicide. Okay. May 6th, 2020, Devin Larrabee is arrested and charged with her murder. 
So very quick turnaround for the first charge to be laid on someone to be arrested. Who's Devin? We will get to Devin in a moment. At the time that this information's released, we have no connection between Devin and Brianna as well. Okay. Police have said we know no connection. Her family has not been able to connect the two of them. We're not sure how they would have met or if this was a random interaction. However, based on evidence at the scene, we are able to connect this person to this crime. So immediately they okay. were able to identify him. Brianna was found in an apartment, not her own, in the Franklin Avenue Forest Drive area. It's called the Lanky Courts Apartment, which I just thought was kind of a funny apartment name to begin with. Like, totally aside from <laughs> the case. Courts. The Lanky Court. It makes me think of, like, the Stanky Leg or whatever that dance is. Like, the Lanky Court. I don't know why, but, yeah. She was <laughs> she was last seen around 10 a.m. Tuesday, May 5th, in the Butler Road area. It says it was near an uptown Walmart, which I found was ironic, because I also used to live near an uptown Walmart, which made me feel connected say. to Brianna. I, too, have frequently been seen near an uptown Walmart. I, too. Right? Katie and I used to be seen there together. We used to work in an uptown Walmart. <laughs> well, close. We didn't work at Walmart. No, but it was uptown. We could see Walmart. <laughs> we could. Good Food is Canada's number one meal kit service that delivers right to your door. Good Food makes cooking fun, easy, and affordable. They offer different meal plans to fit your needs like vegetarian, clean 15, easy prep, and the most popular basket, the classic basket. Every recipe is packed with fresh produce that comes directly from farmers and with Good Food. You can skip the trip to the grocery store and have everything you need to make your curated meals delivered straight to your door. Sign up for Good Food today using the code FREEPODCASTBYPROXY to get your first classic box for free. That's free podcast by proxy when creating your Good Food account to get a classic box on us. Hi friends, if you like what you hear and you want to get even more content from us, we're officially live on Patreon. Patreon is a subscription service where you can get early access to our regular episodes, get bonus episodes, live Q&A sessions, and more. Visit the link in this episode description to learn more and sign up. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Podcast by Proxy. Katie and I are so appreciative of every single one of you for being here with us. If you want to support us even more, don't forget to hit the follow button wherever you're listening and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Growing the show means we will be able to invest more time into bringing you more stories like the one you're hearing today. Side note, do you remember how many pizza pretzels I used to get from there? (laughs) Yes. Also, do you remember when like old people, that old, it wasn't even an old person, I shouldn't say that. A long time ago when someone drove through the wall of Walmart into, like, the deli. I do. They drove through the wall of the parkade. Being from a small town where the population is mostly seniors, it get a no lot longer of broken shocks windows. me. It no longer shocks me when cars go through shops. Oh my goodness. Also, side note, I used to work I in was- a strip mall that had an M&M Meats in it. And they frequently had to have what they called the broken window sale because seniors would push the gas instead of the brake or put it in the wrong gear. Uh, and yeah, same. That's so, so common here. I worked at a coffee shop where that happened. It was my like one of my first jobs. I was working there and the person went right through the laundromat. Yeah. Comment yeah. in the post for this episode if you've ever worked somewhere where there's been, like, a weird phenomenon that keeps happening. Like, you know, seniors magic carpeting through the window or, like, <laughs> weird shit like that. Because I love those stories. Okay. So May 13th, shortly after, about a week later, two more charges were laid on Jordan Nand, 24, who's from Fort Laird, and Lisa Brule, 21, from Yellowknife. Both were charged with accessory after the fact in accordance to Section 240 of the Criminal Code. If you would like to elaborate on that, you are welcome to. However, what section? 240. Oh. To accessory after the fact. Oh, well, that's pretty self-explanatory. That's why I was like, I'm not going to. It's essentially, they didn't take part in the murder. However, they knew about it after the fact or maybe took part in something like disposing of remains or getting yeah. rid of evidence. Could just be something like that. 
Accessory act after the fact could be as much as the police questioned you if you knew anything and you said no and the answer was actually yes. Like, that could be literally anything to do with the murder after the fact. The, the section wording, if you're curious, it's, it's literally self-explanatory. Uh, everyone who is an accessory after the fact to murder is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for life. That's it. I like our explanation better. Yeah, it was same. really like accessory after the fact for dummies, which is kind of more my alley. Yeah, it really is. We should have called this podcast True Crime in Canada for Dummies or something like that. We'll make, another, we'll make a new segment. <laughs> <laughs> so for a minute, actually probably a, quite a few minutes, we are going to take like a hard right and learn a little bit oh. more about Devin Larrabee, as you asked earlier. So I left him for right now because... Well, he's just kind of a piece of shit, to be honest, as they all are. So March 17th, we're going to tell you a little story about him earlier in the year. So March 17th, it's a Tuesday, about 12.42 a.m. Police are called to a Circle K because at knife point, they have been robbed. Oh. Yeah. This Circle K... Is at the corner of Franklin and Forest. Oh. Yeah, keep it close to home, right? Like, bring it in, everybody. Bring it in. This is literally less than 100 meters from the stanky-like apartments. It's crazy. That's wild. Yes. I had to add to my case, so this is my double-sided sticky note with extra notes. When you handwrite your case, it's really, it's really difficult. <laughs> There are two types of people. (laughs) The clerk at the store reported that they fled with a small amount of money and two packs of cigarettes. The suspect was about five foot eight, slender, had a black coat, black pants, and hat with red or orange lettering across it. They had sunglasses, and from the sunglasses down, their face was covered. They were able to put the pieces together that it was obviously Larrabee that was the one to rob the store. They were able to put together audio, or sorry, video footage that had no audio, but still were able to use local sources and identify him, as well as somebody else who was in the store was also able to identify him. I mean, typical convenience store in a neighborhood, you get to know the regulars, and someone was able to identify him fairly quickly. Again, he kept it really close to home. I was going to say he lived across the street. Yeah, he lived 100 meters from here. That would be like, like, do you remember when I lived at my condo and I always went to that one 7-Eleven? That would be like if I decided to go rob them. Yeah, that's like... (laughs) Why would I do that? (sighs) Not that I would rob a store to begin with. I'm just going to live that poor life instead. But like... Not that I'm like hopeful that criminals are smart by any means, but that's like... Oh, but this is bad. This is a whole new level of stupid. Okay. They were able to obviously obtain a search warrant for his home, like, within a couple days of this incident and were able to find still that he had items from this, like, interaction in his home because he's a freaking idiot. He's like, well, I like that hat, so I'm not going to throw it away. Did he have, like, photos of himself He might as well have taken a selfie in the convenience store, yeah. Literally, you know, like how the Kardashians (laughs) always post, like, Really like chic gas station. Yeah, like in front of like photos the cooler like with it, like. Yeah, uh, and you're like, how did uh, you do that? Work, like when I go work. to the gas station, I look like a literal hobo. I. But um, that's yeah. besides the point. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't do that and send it to them. He like checks in on Facebook at the Circle K. <laughs> Legit, like what? <laughs> okay, so. Obviously, he's going to take someone down with him because it sounds like he does nothing alone by this time either. So along with him, they also arrest 18-year-old Maya Klengenberg with the same charges as him, which are uh, robbery and possession of a weapon for dangerous reason. She also gets two charges of failure to comply, which we'll get to in a second because, like, it's borderline funny, but it's not. But I can it kind only of imagine is. where that's kind going. of is. Yeah. So. 
And you know what? I'm just going to tell you now what happened to her because it is kind of funny. So they go. Even us on a cliffhanger. They go to arrest them, right? And then they (laughs) they get him. They go to arrest her. She like flees. So they like get in an altercation with her. She ends up getting away from them. So she gets injured in the process. Goes to the hospital. Like gets away from them again. Kind of. It's like all one scenario. Okay. So she gets away from them, like, legit at the hospital, though. Like, can't catch me, I'm the gingerbread man, takes off. And then they go on, like, a canine manhunt for her for a while. Can't find her. Some reports start coming in that she's been spotted downtown Yellowknife. People are seeing her around and about. She was ultimately captured by the canine crew at, like, 145 in the morning like hiding in someone's yard because she knew the cops were looking for her and then they end up having to take her back to the hospital because she got injured by the canine in the whole interaction and she tries to then sue the police for like excessive force because the canine got her it's it's literally like everybody in this story is a bit of a train wreck except brianna girlfriend you can't do that and then and then do that. Right? She's like, Who peace out, guys. Accept that plea. So then when they use the force needed to catch her, she's like, ow, that was too hard. It's like you ran away the first three times. What were we supposed yeah. to do? You got away from us humans. We obviously needed backup, so we called in the dog. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, those and also, like that was when dropped. When you run anyway. away from the police, I'm always confused. Like, where are you going? If you don't have a car, and there's and one just, of like, you foot. and dozens of them with resources, you can only just... hide for so long. And like, when has that ever gone well? Is my other question. Like, when has somebody Never. fleeing the police and run away? Name me one time besides like DB Cooper that that's <laughs> ever gone well. And do we even really know how it ended for him? No, right? I'm just like, saying. It could have been bad. Like, still, could have been. <laughs> we don't know it's just like the only thing i can think of it's like there's only one time where that like maybe i agree a thousand percent and you're only gonna get away for like a short period of time regardless so like what is that window of time gonna do for you oh i gotta switch my laundry well it makes it worse yeah right like it makes she has two charges of not complying now one of them from this and one because we'll find out in a minute she doesn't show up to court at first, so she gets right. another one warrant. Or she gets a warrant okay. issued for another failure to comply, essentially. Okay. She's okay. a bit of a train wreck. <laughs> okay. Um, and one quick side note is because this Clellenberg lady was like already on parole, she already wasn't even really supposed to be in the area of these condo or apartment buildings. She was already on parole? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it was against the terms of her parole to be actually near the um, I, lanky court. I keep wanting to call it the stanky leg apartment now. The lanky court apartments. apartments. So okay. she was already just all up in business she wasn't supposed to be. I would prefer it if you called them the stanky leg apartments going forward. <laughs> okay. Okay. Easy peasy. Right. Yeah. As mentioned... Klegenberg, her last name is just a mouthful, initially did not show up to court, which is super embarrassing on the defense's part because she was their very first witness. So they're literally like, we call to the stand and then the door opens. There's just no one there. Of course. It's so embarrassing. It looks so bad on their part. Nobody. And this immediately puts just, like, a bad taste in the judge's mouth. He's kind of irritated with this person, like, right out the gate to put the whole, like, thing in perspective. But... Of course. The it's a waste of time. Totally. Like, they're just sitting there waiting. So, four video surveillance camera angles are shown of this robbery during this time. Okay. And, as mentioned, a man is seen in the videos, black hat, black pants totally matches the description given by the clerk of the person who committed the robbery 
He's seen pulling out a long black kitchen knife and putting it on the counter, having a small interaction with the cashier, and then a small amount of cash is handed over, as well as some cigarettes. So everything's matching up so far. Police then testify that when they were able to get the warrant obtained, they collected the hat, the knife, and two packs of cigarettes that were unopened. Judge Donovan Malloy, though, who, as we said, was visibly irritated right out the gates with the defense, kind of, because of their first witness, he told the Crown Prosecutor Green that he wasn't doing a very good job of showing that the video evidence from four different angles was real. Like, the judge is like, I don't believe that these video surveillance footage with no audio are real. Even though you have four angles. It's it's so weird, This the judge's approach to this. And then... Do you think I got it from a movie? He thinks that they've, like, edited it. Well, and then, like... Edited it. Yeah, and, like, this Crown Prosecutor guy, he's, like, four angles? Like, even he's, like, come again? So they kind of... hired a digital editor for this? That's kind of what he's implying. So then... They summon the warrant for Klegenberg. They finally get her to come in after thinking, okay, now with the videos and maybe this other person on cross-examination, we can put the pieces together. She testifies that they went in just to steal money to buy drugs and that she does identify herself in the video as the girl who's in the store prior to the robbery in the pink coat. So she can also validate the story. Great. She leaves the store before the robbery, but she can still put him at the time of the incident in the store and the only person in the store because she had walked out and was able to, like, validate the surroundings. I'm so annoyed by this in so many ways. If you tell me the judge doesn't think that's real, I've never even heard of that. So... No, when I was reading through this and it said that he didn't believe the authenticity of the video footage, when video footage is literally the most reliable thing we can have, my jaw kind of dropped. Yeah, like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Okay. So. Judge is having a bad day. Yeah, it's so weird, but I, yeah. Like, I don't, I haven't seen the video surveillance, so, like, I don't know, I can't speak to, I it, just like, don't understand, my own though. personal visual. I just, I've never even heard of a judge questioning the authenticity of a video. Like, There's an eyewitness them. description, four angles of video, and the other person in the video confirming. Right, like, I've, I've heard of them throwing out video evidence because yeah. it wasn't obtained properly, or... or it was like grainy, maybe, it was... Yeah, it was too grainy, unusable. they don't believe that yeah. there's any way that this person could, like, identify the person in the video, but I've never heard of them thinking it was fake. No, literally, there was two articles I read that said he did not believe it was authentic footage. So, okay. yeah. Okay, that's weird. It's super weird, and it gets a little weirder. So, Mm. Malloy, the judge, he said openly that he doesn't think that Klegenberg is a reliable witness anyway, and she's extremely weak. And then he says, like, also, it doesn't look good on your part that you didn't get the store clerk to come testify in court. And the prosecutor even explained that This person had moved now to Edmonton and is no longer returning their calls. They were literally unable to get this person to come testify or even have them comment. However, they have his sworn statement, the video footage, and it can all be pieced together properly. And the judge, Mm -hmm. for some reason, I don't know why, it's like he just has it in that this guy did not commit this crime. He's like, no, that's not him. That can't be real. That... And then he was like, well, if I can't talk to the clerk, how do I know how the video was extracted? Did he download it? Did he edit it? Was it changed? Was it from a main hard drive? Was it from... Like, he was so skeptical of this video footage. Super weird. Yeah, so... Like, why would you... Okay. He essentially deemed that all the footage was inadmissible, by the way, at the end. Yeah. 
because I'm not going to go just... too hard on that because I feel like we could be here for days, but we could. Long story short, that's weird. Now, he was acquitted of this in the end. Of course. But figured he was set to appear in court late May. But prior to that, he was arrested for killing Brianna. So he literally right. killed her while out on bail because this right. guy was like, you don't have the evidence. and I don't think it's going to go through. So we're going to give him bail. So he could have been held. Yeah. But because even the judge though, didn't believe it was him or sorry that it was real. And even though he did have weapons for danger, possession of weapons for dangerous purposes charges. So they could have had the means to hold him on a higher bail from my understanding or yeah. no bail at all. It's really at their discretion. However, he was granted that. We can't take that back. Wow. So when he was asked in court as well, just as a side note, like why he was seen throwing clothes in the dumpster later, even including like the pink coat that she was wearing, because that put them at the scene. Like, or sorry, they're asking her. She just started crying like immediately and explained Mm -hmm. that she's like, there was three of us. We all got together. We were in the apartment. I drank too much and we come up with a crazy idea. Literally called it a crazy idea. That's all. So yeah. she's just like, that's, buddy, that's not a crazy idea. That's a violent offense. Yeah, get better hobbies. Yeah. yeah. And friends. Hang out in better yeah. places, maybe where you're legally allowed to be. Yeah. Okay. So more about the trial when it comes around. We're going to get back to um, Brianna's case now that he was out on bail. He's been rearrested and he's been acquitted of the charges for the robbery with a weapon up to today. Okay. And Klegenberg is dealing with her own shit because, again, she was violating parole. I just didn't want to give her any more time of day. But she has not updated her Instagram since the time of these attacks, so I hope that means that... See ya! So on December 7th of 2020, Nand and Brule, the other two who were charged with the accessory after the fact, both entered, entered guilty pleas. The defense asked for a full publication ban until the time of Larrabee's trial, as they were worried that obviously it would compromise the trial, as well as details would be impactful and harmful to the public, they stated, advising that they wanted a proper administration of justice and the information being released prior to that time could and would affect that. Also, one of the suspects that is the accessory is only 18 years old. Um, So I can only imagine that may have played into it too, especially coming from a small town where everyone knows each other. I think there would be more likelihood of publication bans and there were multiple reasons why they pushed for it and it was ultimately approved. Yeah, for sure. Especially when you have the lesser charges being tried before the larger and knowing that they're probably going to have to testify after pleading guilty um, because that's probably a term to their pleas as well that... That is going to be a factor. For sure. And like you said, in a small community. Yeah. And the they were ultimately given sentences, which I'll give you in a second. But they're not the longest sentences. And they do have a chance to go on with their lives and be like law-abiding citizens and do some good if they decide to make that decision. So let's hope they do. The two that got accessory after the fact? Yeah, I mean, they're both, they're what, like 18 and 22. They're so young that they do have a lot of time. Hopefully these were, it was just a dumb decision or they were scared. Again, hopefully more information will come out, but. Well, we'll like we said, accessory after the fact can mean anything, so. Yeah, they could have lied to police and they found out after the fact. So they could have had nothing to do with the actual and, like, their age Case. and if they have any priors or not will take into account all that kind of stuff, right? A guilty plea will always get you a reduced sentence. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that makes sense. And to my understanding from what I read and the way it was implied that neither of those two did have a criminal record prior based on the right. sentences they were given as well. Um, 
As mentioned, the publication ban was fought hard for as there was an issue with um, Larrabee's trial being compromised and the evidence out about it, as well as being a really small town, anything getting out would really jeopardize the jury selection because it's already such a small population and a small pool to choose from. And they did want to have the accessory after the fact trials in Yellowknife. So they wanted to keep it there rather than having to allocate resources from Edmonton. Because as we know, the autopsy had to be performed in Edmonton for a coroner to be able to perform it properly and have a legal autopsy completed. And that could just be that there was no chief coroner in Yellowknife at the time or maybe the wait time or turnaround would have been behind. Because again, this is also during covid where yeah we were seeing a lot of deaths at a very quick rate and a lot of morgues and funeral homes and services as such were inundated with requests and space was an issue and that's not to sound insensitive but we were all helping each other out where we could i think during that time and still as this attack was graphic and brutal in nature also there were certain um information and photos that they wanted to ensure weren't released specifically and we will probably find out more of those information and those details once we know what Larrabee's actual outcome of his trial is because as we said the two accessory after the facts have already pled guilty gone through trial um, and they were both sentenced to 10 months in jail and then two years probation so literally less than a year and they'll be out so i think that was also why they wanted to keep information limited to ensure that there was some ability for them to go on and reintegrate into society without i don't know if there is i think that trial i'm curious if they will try and use them as witnesses I think they will. I think being a small town and limited resources and given the history with him of the outcome of the previous trial, I do agree that they may fight really hard to ensure that they have everything in place to make sure they get him this time. Well, it might have been a condition of their guilty plea. But that's what I mean. Like to plead out Mm -hmm. and get only 10 months, maybe they both agreed to testify against him. Mm -hmm. Especially because the the crown can come forward and say... If you testify, we can almost guarantee we can put him away because of X, Y, Z plus your thing. So, yeah. Also, shortly after the brutal attack, Brianna's family, like, all got together and her mom posted on Facebook saying, like, a date and time where they wanted everyone to show up outside the courthouse wearing red in commemoration for not only Brianna, but all missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. And as recently as actually, like, my birthday of this year, Larrabee is elected for a judge-only trial set for this fall, which means essentially he's opted to not have a jury selection Mm -hmm. in any way, shape, or form. He is leaving it up to the one and only judge to decide the outcome. He has not made any pleas of any kind. The only um, appearance in front of a judge that he has had was on video trial, and he did not want to enter a plea at the time. However, his lawyer, John Cohen, says that he can confirm that the expectation is that on the first days of the trial, he will enter a not guilty plea. Okay. So, also, the trial is expected to be three weeks long in length, and it is set to begin September 26th. So, we are, like, very close to this trial. I wonder if the same judge will be used because it's such a small place. Like, I I wonder if they even have another... Supreme Court judge. Yeah, it's hard to say. I I would almost assume it's more likely that he would rather than wouldn't. 100%. I agree. And it's interesting to me that he is elected judge only. I mean, it's not not entirely uncommon, but the fact that the judge just let him off last time Mm -hmm. and there is a risk of, like, the jury pool being so small and like knowing what you did and having an opinion already even if they say that they don't so that's interesting I will be very curious to learn the outcome of that trial and hopefully like follow along a little bit if it does go forward hopefully he spooks like last week's and just pleads guilty uh maybe before the, the day of 
But um, well, that was the part that really irritated me at the end, where he's like, "Expected within the first days." It's like, no. As an attorney, yeah. you should also be advising your client not to waste money and time if you know he's gonna plea. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, fingers crossed that he changes his mind, though, because as much as I find criminal trials fascinating, um, they do nothing for the victim's family. Uh, no. And they, they rip can off have a an scab. <laughs> and so, I mean, some some family members, I've, I've never been in this situation, so I can't speak to it. I'm only speaking to, like, what I've heard when I'm doing my own research. Some family members might feel like it's a form of closure, so I'm not going to speak yeah, like for everyone. I just know that, of... like, yeah, I know that, like, yeah. the majority of what I've heard is it's more of a traumatic experience Same. than than a closure experience um because you're seeing a lot of graphic images you're hearing a lot of things in detail um that you just don't want to hear and so yeah more often than not it's more traumatic than anything um well, that's speaking very, very from what my mom told me as someone who used to actually have to be in court very often yeah. um yeah same thing she would say that it was more for the it's all for the defense going mm-hmm. to court everything 100%. on the prosecution side is traumatizing and sad and reliving the worst yeah it's, yeah because it's not it's not a trial to for the victim it's exactly it. it it's just not um well that's very interesting that's super sad rest in peace and it's such a small town that i think that we again between covid the pandemic all the news that was floating Thank you, Frankie, for shaking. I just think there was a lot of stories that went untold, and now we have this opportunity. There's always stories we haven't heard that are, honestly, a lot of the time equally or sometimes, like, more difficult to hear than the ones that are flying in our face. Oh, totally. Yeah, I definitely was shocked to just kind of like hear about this one in general and same with like last week like i know these cases aren't super long but i'm just shocked at all these current pandemic cases that are all just starting to go to trial because the courthouses are opening back up and there's like developing information but these are also like you said previously like we need to tell more stories about missing and murdered indigenous women and girls and bring more awareness and the last thing we want to do is use that chunk of time where stories were pushed to the background and these people get forgotten because it's just it's not the same either i don't pick cases to cover based on if they have a lot of coverage or not like i usually will pick a case and then look it up on something like spotify or apple podcast it is a bonus if it hasn't been covered much Mm -hmm. because why does one case get sensationalized and the other one doesn't um, it's just the way that the, the media and things like that work. Um, and I, and I'm not saying that I don't also want to cover cases that have been in the media because those people deserve that coverage as well. Like it's a really difficult place to land. Um, but that was lovely. You did a great job telling that. Thanks. And we will keep you up to date in this because I've also turned on notifications for this case now because there. I just keep picking these open-ended cases, but I think they're going to have a lot of developing information, which is going to be also really fun to be able to provide updates on and court updates. I was going to say, so. maybe like later this month or in a month or so, we'll do like an updates kind of episode. We d- we've done those periodically, but... Um, well, my trial's not going to be over till the first week of November, so... Maybe. Yeah, we're hoping it's going to be like I'm September so 27th. He pled out, we're done, let's go. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, because I will, like I said earlier, my my coverage of the Saskatchewan stabbings from the weekend, or from the week, I guess, um, you know, that's not all the information that's out there. No, I no. didn't have time to really sit down and dig through everything and put together, like, I, I really had time to put together a timeline and, like, some basic thoughts, um, but it's so fresh and things are really going to be developing so much with that, and I know that... People are, I want to say, curious in, like, the least bad way. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. not that it's entertainment, but, like, it is something that is, is so prevalent and so such a big deal. So, uh, I know some, that... Some people that, just want to, like, keep a pulse on something and just know what's going on. It's not mm-hmm. for any 
Well, who am I kidding? Yeah. It's like a car accident. You can't look away. That's the whole point of this, like, information is it is, we hear these snippets and we want to know more, right? Like, it's that's yeah. the concept behind it, so we're yeah. drawn so, to need all the information. I, yeah, as I know more, I will obviously share, but um, I think that's all for us today. I think so. Happy Tuesday, or whatever day it is when you are listening to this. Thank you for joining. Please follow us on Instagram at Podcast by Proxy, Twitter, Facebook, all the same. Also, just if you feel like leaving a review on Facebook, that would be really appreciated. We don't really have like a lot of reviews on Facebook. And so I was going to say if like if you're ever on our Facebook page and you feel like leaving a review, definitely leave a five star review there or Spotify, Apple, all the other regular ones. Um, You can support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash podcast by proxy for bonus episodes, early releases, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It's all there. Um, the yeah, archive. Bobbity boo. Bobbity bobbity boo. I know, but I don't know where you went into like hip hop boo. Boo. I always go into hip hop. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I'll call you soon. Okay. <gasps> okay. Bye. Bye. How do I stop this shit? I'll stop it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me.